for the next several Sundays, our gospel lessons are going to be about conflict building up between Jesus and the religious leaders. Those men who were meant to be the spiritual spokesmen of the people, those who should have understood and be supported the message that Jesus came to bring. The priests and the elders should have recognized Jesus for who he was, but they didn't. I suspect that they didn't want to recognize Jesus because to acknowledge him would have meant that they had lost some of their power and their prestige and their influence over the people. I believe that may still be true in some of our church leaders today. In this morning's lesson, it's the last time that we'll hear Jesus being in the synagogue. He found that as his popularity spread among the people, and as he continued to speak against the practices of the religious leaders, they didn't want out his welcome from those who were to direct the worship in the synagogues. In speaking the truth, and bringing God's message to the people, it made himself an enemy of those who were also supposed to be God's spokesmen. Those who would have been on the front line supporters had become his enemy, and they were out to get him any way they could. It's clear from this morning's reading that the authorities were watching Jesus' every move, just waiting for an opportunity to make an accusation against him. This morning's lesson says that Jesus was in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath speaking to those who had come to worship, and there was a, a woman there in the service who had been over and unable to stand up straight. Now, there are several of us here this morning that can relate to what that woman was experiencing. There are several of us who have experienced the terrible pain and been unable to stand up straight because of various back problems. I tell you firsthand, that's, that's not the kind of pain and discomfort that you want to live with. But Luke, the doctor, tells us this woman had been that way for 18 years. I can't imagine what that had been like. When Jesus saw the woman there in the service, as he was so often to do, he had compassion on the woman. He couldn't bear to see her in pain and misery any longer, and he spoke to her. He said, you're free from your ailment. Luke says he laid hands on her immediately. She stood up straight and began praising God. The woman may not have known who Jesus was. She may not have known that she had just been touched by the very hands of God, but she knew that she had been cured, and she praised God. Scriptures tell us in the very next verse that the leader of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus had cured the woman on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said, you got six days a week to do work. How dare you heal this woman on the Sabbath? Now, you and I hear this story, we shake our heads and we say, what in the world is wrong with that man? Why would he be criticizing Jesus for healing this poor woman? That's a good question. We've talked on numerous occasions about all the laws that the scribes and the Pharisees had created through the years in an attempt to live a godly life. These men, there were men who spent an entire lifetime studying the laws and seeking ways to observe them, and sometimes finding ways to skirt them. There, was, there were laws and rules about every conceivable situation that you might imagine. And a great number of the laws had to do with what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. Now, we've also talked in the past sometimes about some of the ways that those people that had learned to bypass or circumvent the rules when it suited their needs. As we read this morning's lesson, we get a sense of <clears throat> why Jesus had alienated himself from the religious leaders. Verse 15, he said, you hypocrites. 
Don't you untie your ox or your donkey on the Sabbath, please, water? Yeah, but in your own rules, that was work. You weren't supposed to do that work on the Sabbath. You weren't being a hypocrite. There's another time when Jesus had healed a blind man on the Sabbath. And he'd been criticized for that. Remember, he told those who questioned him, if, if your animal falls in the hole on the Sabbath, you'll pull him out, right? Well, how much more valuable is one of God's children who's in need of help? Remember some things we've talked about in the past that show various ways that, that were established in order for people to, to get around the Sabbath laws. A man was forbidden from, from drawing water from a well on the Sabbath. But a woman could tie her sash or she could tie her belt. So if he took her belt and tied that to the water pail, then he could pull up the water and that wouldn't work. Clever, right? Uh, a man was only allowed to travel a certain distance from his home on the Sabbath. That distance was normally the distance from his home to the synagogue. That's as far as he could travel on the Sabbath. But if he took something out of his home and he put it somewhere else in the village the day before, then that became part of his home and he could travel that distance on the Sabbath. Uh, you see why Jesus called the religious leaders hypocrites? Jesus said, you don't have a problem leaving your livestock to water on the Sabbath, even though it's against your own laws, because it's the humane thing to do. So why would you not want this poor woman to be relieved of her suffering? It's interesting that the leader of the synagogue didn't address Jesus directly. Luke tells us he spoke to the crowd. Maybe he was afraid to speak to Jesus directly, so he thought he could just stir up the crowd against Jesus. He said, do you see what's happening here? This man is working on the Sabbath, and he's breaking the law. Well, whose law was Jesus breaking? Certainly not God's law. It was man's law. And a rather poor law at that. The religious leaders had come to love their system of laws and order more than they loved the people. They were so concerned with their petty little rules and regulations that they couldn't see the need to help a person in pain and misery. Be careful the way I say this now, because I don't want to be misunderstood this morning. But I believe that one of the great problems that we have these days in our modern society is the relationship between the individual and the system. I believe that this is true both in the political realm and in religious. It's very easy in today's world to simply become a statistic, a number on a ledger, a piece of data on somebody's printout. We become classified on some list, and, and we seem really to be specimens walking. I said this can and seems to be happening frequently in today's society, but it can also occur in our religious life as well if we're not careful. I believe that, a, that in, a Christian, in Christianity, <clears throat> the individual is meant to come before the system. I also believe that without Christianity, there could be no such thing as democracy. Because Christianity alone guarantees and defends the values of the ordinary man. If Christian principles and values are ever banished from our political or economic lives, there'll be nothing left to keep at bay the totalitarian state where the individual is lost in the web of a system that exists only for the sake of the system. I also believe that, that the worship of systems can invade a church. There are people in our churches today that are more concerned with the, the method of church government than they are in the worship of God and the service of God's people. 
History has proven through the years that more trouble and strife has arisen within the church over legalistic details of procedure and polity than over any other single thing. In the world and the church, we're constantly in peril of loving systems more than we love God and more than we love one another. Jesus' actions in this morning's lesson makes it very clear that it's not God's will that any human being should suffer for a moment longer than is absolutely necessary. Jesus could have waited for the next day and cured the woman, and no one would have criticized his actions. But Jesus chose to take immediate action, and in doing so, he became one close step closer to the death on the cross. What am I attempting to say this morning? What message was Jesus attempting to live out before the people who had come to worship on the Sabbath? What was it that Jesus had said to the Samaritan woman at the well? He said, the day will come and will be called to worship in spirit and in truth. Remember, the woman had asked Jesus, which was better, to, to worship God in Jerusalem as the Jews did or on Mount Gerasim as the Samaritans did? In essence, she was asking, what system is right? Whose rule should we obey? Jesus said, you missed the point. Worship is not about a place. It's about a state of mind. It's about what's in your heart. And God wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. There are times, and I, I think it may be especially true in sacramental churches, when we may fall into that trap of allowing old habits and traditions to get in the way of our true worship of God. Someone forgot to light the candles in the right order before the service, and we wonder if the sacraments will be valid. Is it, is it really okay to have flowers in the church during the season of Lent? Should a priest allow weddings to take place during Advent? Should we stand or kneel at the altar and receive communion? Do we dare raise our hands in the air as we worship God? The list can go on and on, believe me. There are all kinds of traditions and habits that can get in the way of our worship of God. There are times when the system can prevent our true worship of God. I believe Jesus would have us know this morning that it's what's in our hearts that matters to God. I think he'd also remind us this morning that there are times in our daily lives when we're meant to stand up for what we believe. We're meant to take action even when others may criticize those actions. Someone said once that a democratic government is the result of mastering the art of compromise. Well, folks, Jesus never attempted to master the art of compromise. As Christians, we're called to be a people of principle and we're meant to be a people dedicated to the will of God. Now, there are times, I suspect, when compromise is called for because always seeking to resolve an issue, whether it's a winner or a loser, is not always the best thing in God's eyes. But the flip side of that coin is giving in and failing to take a stand because of the fear of offending someone or the fear of alienating yourself before the crowd. Being politically correct is not always the right answer. Time and time again, Jesus saw a need and he stepped forward, he took action. And I don't ever believe for a moment that he hesitated in order to step or to stop and consider the consequences of his actions. It was the right thing to do. It was the thing to do. Jesus looked at the religious leaders right in the eye, and I suspect that he spoke loud enough that the crowd could hear. And he said, if you lead your animals to water on the Sabbath, doesn't this daughter of Abraham deserve to be set free from the bondage that has bound her for 18 years? And he may have added it then, and wouldn't today be a good day to do that? 
Luke tells us that the religious leaders were put to shame and that the people who had come to worship rejoiced in what had taken place. I pray that the Holy Spirit is here in our midst this morning and that we can feel his presence, the presence that I talked about last week, when we can know that God's at our side when we run the race, that we can know that he's with us when we cross the finish line. You may have never thought of it, but even Jesus didn't do all that he did here on earth by himself. He, too, had the presence of the Holy Spirit with him. And with that knowledge, he was able to fulfill the task that his Father had placed before him. And you and I are called to do the same thing, knowing that God's Spirit is with us. We're called to go forward and perform our own body deeds in God's name. This morning's lesson relates to simple event in the life of Jesus. We read the healing that took place on the Sabbath. Do we have this story in the scripture so that we might see the healing power of Jesus? I mean, we've got many stories of, of Jesus reaching out to those in need, so maybe that's not the reason that Luke included this event in his gospel. This certainly is the first time that Jesus has been confronted by the religious leaders, and it wouldn't be the last. So what is it that we're to learn from this morning's reading? Could it be that Luke wanted his readers to see the importance of standing up for what's right? Are we this morning to be reminded of the need to go against the rules when the rules are wrong? To speak out when God tells us to without fear of reprisal? Our day of worship is meant to be a special day in our lives. And I, I think there are a number of things that might go undone on this special day. God directed us to have a day of rest. He didn't instruct his people to have an hour of rest at church on Sunday morning and then go do whatever you choose to do the rest of the day. He told his people that they needed to take time to refresh their body and their mind and their spirit. How do you spend your Sundays? Is it a, a day that you give God? Is it a day when you relax and allow God to prepare you for the coming week? Or do you pr properly forget God when you leave this place on Sunday morning? See God, have a good week. See you next week. Is that the way we leave this place in the morning? I hope not. In the 103rd Psalm, the psalmist asked this question to his reader. He, he writes, who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good as long as you live? Who rebreasts the Lord on my soul and all that is within me? That's why we're here this morning. That's what this day is meant to be about. This is a day for us to reflect on what God has done in each of our lives and to bless his holy name. 2,000 years ago, the crowd of the synagogue rejoiced at the words and the actions of Jesus. May we do the same thing this morning as we continue in our worship of God. Let us stand. 